once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows. One of the shows that we have up on air and online here at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. You know when you go there, there'll be two links. The first is our webcast uh, pay, our webcast link. You'll see this show sitting at the top of the list when you hit that link. Uh, what you're listening to is what you could select again if you felt so inspired to do so. But you may have also decided to hear us by clicking our radio loop link. That's the second link on that homepage. And it's the one that lets you uh, uh, join us at whatever point the show happens to be in the link, in the loop. My goodness. Uh, Four-letter words. Uh, In the loop that it happens to be playing in, you join it, you listen in, you get interested. Ah, it goes to the end. Geez, I wonder how it started. No problem. Wait three seconds, thereabouts, and the show starts all over again. Radio loop, regular podcast uh, uh, access, or go wherever you access your podcasts from and simply look for Center Left Radio. One way or the other, we're glad you're with us on this Friday, June the 30th. 30 days has September, April, June. Yeah, that's, that's one of those months. And so we begin July tomorrow. Um, And the 4th of July weekend, I guess, is in in full swing already, uh, certainly all over the country. It's predicted there'll be more traveling this year, more flying, more everythinging uh, than there's been in quite some time. Uh, A series of rather nasty thunderstorms earlier in the week uh, has barely now finally been resolved. People sleeping in airports two and three days. Uh, Really, it was very, very, very messy. uh, Showing the combination of the infrastructure problems and the still lack of uh, personnel that many airlines and others are dealing with in the wake of COVID, uh, how there has been a shift away from many positions because people have simply found other ways of, uh, of, I gather, of supporting themselves. We are at a point where our, um, our employment levels are, are down at level, the unemployment rate is down at a rate that basically uh, is better than it's been since sometime in the 70s. Uh, our inflation rate is being knocked down. No, a lot of people still recognize that the cost, if you're buying good stuff in stores, if you're buying decent food, not, not garbage. Garbage uh, costs what garbage always costs. Garbage prices, that's why people are able to afford it. The crap that we put in our bodies in America and many other countries, well, those that have followed the American diet model, um, yeah, you could still afford to, to eat garbage, but good foods uh, basically still seem to be overpriced dramatically, uh, especially when you get into the produce area. 
uh, when this is going to change, when, when there'll be a, uh, a uh, when the supply chain problems, allegedly, that are causing all this will finally let up, God only knows. When, when, the, when the gas companies, when the oil companies finally uh, decide to stop gouging us because there's absolutely no correlation between the cost of a barrel of oil and what ultimately winds up, uh, uh, we wind up paying in the pump, which here in the New York area is somewhere close to $4 a gallon, between $3.50 and $4 a gallon. Ridiculous, nuts, insane, etc. And yet... And yet, unemployment is low, wages are comparatively high, but rents are going up here in this area. And, and, and if you had to put it together as a statement of how is the economy doing, well, it's doing pretty well. In, in fact, there, uh, there's been a study done recently that takes the factors of unemployment and uh, there were a couple of other factors that basically uh, were at play during re-elections. Okay, when you, you have a, a president that's running for re-election, there was a study done about Reagan and I guess there was Clinton and there would have been Barack Obama. And the total economic picture that they were dealing with for purposes of getting reelected was more substantially more negative, believe it or not, than the picture that Joe Biden is dealing with right now. And, and against that, uh, that backdrop, one would imagine that Biden should be having the simplest time in the world. Uh, 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 walking into this election. Now, of course, the, 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 the big thing that everybody keeps talking about with Joe Biden is his age. You get that. But he's also done some amazing things. You, of course, his opponents will push age like crazy. His net his net favorables are underwater. In other words, more than 50% of the American people right now, snapshot, have an unfavorable on him. Well, and it's roughly the same number, over 50% for Donald Trump also. Where you don't want to be going into a presidential campaign. But then again, we're going into a presidential campaign. We've been in it for two damned years plus already. And we are doing it in the most divided uh, uh, country politically in my lifetime. We're 17 months out, roughly, from the election of 2024. And as we've said on, on recent shows, we are taking snapshots and we are basically extrapolating outward and we're saying, well, this is where it is, therefore this is where it will be. I, I, I'll just throw something out to people who may be absolutely wedded to that notion that things are, what they are right now is the way they're always going to be and it's not going to change and all that. 
Joe Biden has been a run-from-behind kind of guy his entire political career. When, uh, when, with the, uh, with the 2020 Democrat uh, election, okay, as, as the Democratic slate was being formulated, if you can think back this far, uh, he was running from well from behind in the early states. It was assumed he was going to be knocked out. Oh, he was too old then. There was no way he was going to be able to do it. And little by little, as America remembered who he was and what he'd done and understood this absolutely unshakable sense that he has of optimism, this completely incongruous thing that he, that he has carried, and the fact that he has carried it with him and been optimistic for the 40 or 50 years that he's been in the American political scene and has and this has been his trademark that it can get done that the institutions will make things happen well that ultimately we can find a middle ground that that progressivism as we describe it on this show is not just a, a museum piece, something we could look back on and imagine how it must have been when it actually worked. No, you can find common ground. You, you can do bipartisan things. And by God, look what he's done. The man has done it. Oh, yeah, but what have you done for me lately? Okay, there were multi-billion dollar programs, you know, the entire infrastructure rebuilding program. Well, of course, that's all kind of forgotten. You know, why isn't Joe being given credit for that? Well, it's like so many things like that. A huge program like that. Big, huge numbers, almost a trillion, a trillion plus dollars out there. And then, well... Then, uh, well, uh, uh, what are you doing for me tomorrow? And what, what, what are we having? Where are we going? What are we having for dinner today? You see, when you vote on something, when you do a rebuilding prog a pro program like Joe Biden got into effect, like he was able to get, uh, you know, bipartisan support for, which, and by the way, the same bipartisans, uh, well, no, many, many of the partisans who were against it are suddenly using the infrastructure program for their own, the Republicans are using it. Because they're saying, well, look at the projects that are happening here in my state. Or, the, hey, isn't this great? I'm in Congress and vote for me. Well, you see, what's happening is this. Uh, it, it takes a while from the time that a law, a, a financially uh, packed law, series of laws like these are passed then the planning, then the funding, then the shovels in the ground. So here we are nearly a year later from that, and it's just now 
that many of these massive infrastructure projects are just beginning to actually happen. People are beginning to see them. You're going to start seeing the internet programs that basically were part and parcel of this, the extension of 5G around the country. You're going to start seeing all that happening very shortly. All the stuff that was talked about, all the stuff that Biden put together, you're going to start watching all this become part of the American landscape. And that will change the political landscape. That will change the conversation largely. Joe Biden will will begin to get the credit that is due him for what he's done. No, there will still be efforts made by his adversaries to tear him down every way they can. Age will be a major factor in this. But what are the alternatives? There aren't any. Okay, assuming now, there, there's... There's talk of, uh, could it be Gavin Newsom? Could it be uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr.? God help us. Uh, he was kicked off of, uh, he's been kicked off of a few, plat two platforms so far for putting out wrong information about, uh, about vaccines. And, and, and so, yeah, there is always a chance you're going to get some, uh, some, some interloper. But, but again, we're 17 months out, folks. Oh, well, you know, scares are saying, well, therefore, therefore, don't do anything. Uh, now, let's just sit back. And, no, I, I, get, I get the reality that everybody's dealing with. But it's 17 months out in a, in a Joe Biden world. If you followed his career, he tends not to be in the best of positions. You put a Donald Trump with convictions and jail time, or whatever the, whatever the penalty phase is of his convictions. You put that out there, and, and of course, right now, again, snapshot, snapshot. Uh, 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 I don't care how many times he's indicted, he's my guy. And in fact, his indictments are proof of the fact that he's doing it all for me. Uh, very, uh, very, uh, very, you know, uh, suffering Messiah, uh, being, uh, dying for my sins type thing. You know, it, a sick kind of a, a perversion of that, although I'm sure that much of that is floating through the rather uh, fetid uh, mindsets of people who would otherwise like to be called Christian, but wouldn't know what Christianity was if it fell on them. Certainly from the perspective of uh, what Jesus of Nazareth had to uh, say about it, uh, there, there is this... this sense that somehow Donald Trump, and again, this is going back to the snapshot thing, Donald, with his loving minions around him, will be exactly as he appears, and you can extract, what you can extrapolate from is the fact that his base is so condensed and, 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 and enriched and reduced and, and thick and viscous and, and so slathered all over him and, and inseparable, that somehow that, even if you, even today, would automatically equate to 
victory? To, and Donald's not old? And Donald has a track record to run on? What the hell are we talking about here? Come on, man. You're talking about a criminal, and you're talking about a guy who will be basically having to serve time at some point. We're talking 17 months out. We're talking about every possible negative thing you can imagine being thrown at Donald, and that he's somehow supposed to not only rise above, but actually rise totally above the Democrats and the entire field, and the nation will embrace him for being the effing criminal he is because, boy, we need a criminal back in the White House. We need a convict. We need a guy who's serving to... We need a guy who can run the country from prison. Are we crazy? Do, do, you, do you understand what, what is involved with trying to extrapolate to Donald being president again from where we are on June 30th, 2023? It, it takes a really, really fertile imagination, but we are prone to fill in the pieces because we are so diametrically opposed as a nation, politically, personally, every other way. And we are also, in, in, in the course of being diametrically opposed, we need a narrative. We, we want a narrative to fill in the blanks on that diametric opposition. And so the narrative basically winds up being the worst possible narrative for us. Because things are ugly, we think ugly. We, we think forward in an ugly way. We basically look for a way to make things as bad as they can be, and then, of course, blame the other side for it. This is part of the residual grievance effect, I call it, that we, as, as people that are center and center-left, uh, basically, even center-right to some extent, but basically anywhere from slightly center-right all the way to the left of the spectrum, we are suffering from the same bullshit that people on the right are suffering, and it's suffering. But you see, Joe Biden would suggest that all of these things are overcomeable, that we are going through a period, we are going through a phase as a country. We are not looking at the end of our institutions. We are not looking down into an abyss that is invariably calling us, beckoning to us, saying there's nowhere else to go but to the end of the great American experiment. We would feel that way. Our emotions are being pushed that way by the media and by whatever uh, social sources uh, that people use to feed themselves this. And it's, it's profitable and it's continuous and it's how we are getting too much of our information right now. And so this, this, this negativity feeds on itself. 
Is there some reality to it? Yes, but much of the reality is basically a resonance effect. Is the core, is the core substance of what is wrong with us as bad as it looks on any given day? No. No, we are not we are not perpetually rioting in the streets. We are not in open warfare against one another moment to moment. We are not basically in pitched battles to express our our whacked out political opinions. No. And the institutions that we rely on exist imperfectly being run in some cases by absolute blithering assholes, idiots, morons, jerks, who have somehow found their way into the Congress of the United States. I would argue some of them on the Supreme Court as well. But the institutions themselves have a resonance, have a, a history, have norms, have capabilities that manage to transcend even the worst of what might be in them and running them at that moment. They will not just simply collapse under the weight of a current idiot or even a bunch of current idiots. We, we, we have... This takes a little faith here. This takes a little more belief than the belief that we're going to destroy one another because we're extrapolating out from today's horrible moments. That there is something more dynamic and vital to our institutions of government, state and federal, than the worst that we can imagine at this moment. This is where, this is where Joe Biden would be coming from. Case, case in point, um, uh, the Supreme Court. Uh, Joe did a, uh, an interview yesterday uh, with Nicole Wallace. Uh, Nicole Wallace does a show two hours every, every weekday uh, from 4 to 6 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. I think I think she's in. I think she does it out of Washington. I'm pretty sure, and it's uh, one of the top-rated shows, certainly on MSNBC. One of the top, I, I, I would imagine, one of the top-rated shows on cable television. And I, I gather, you know, with anything like with the, anything with a presidential schedule, this must have been scheduled quite some time in advance, or maybe not. Maybe it came up quicker than anyone realized. Joe Joe Biden was paying a visit to New York for something else, and he managed to get on Nicole's show. And I I think what he's figuring is that you know he he realizes that he has to start taking control of his own media schedule and that the standard Washington press corps may not be doing him any great favors right now so he he's going to start deciding where the best places are for him to expose himself uh, to get his message across and one of the things he talked about yesterday in this in this uh, interview with Nicole Wallace and, and, and invariably because the decision about uh, is, is, it the, is it the total end of affirmative action? Well, the case that the Supreme Court ruled on yesterday, by the way, the Supreme Court's session, it, this, this term of the court ends today, June 30th. It won't pick, the new, the new term will come, will, will begin again in October, first Monday in October, blah, 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 all that. Okay, and it's, 
it's not unusual that there is a flood of decided cases that are dumped on the public or that are revealed to the public in short order as they get to the end of a session. But this affirmative action case came as no surprise to anybody. The case involved the University of North Carolina, UNC, and Harvard University, and groups um, that, that basically included uh, both white and East Asian, Chinese primarily, but East Asian and just Caucasian, I don't know, you know, well, I don't know if, what their European affiliation was, but white and, and East Asian uh, groups got together, and in both of these individual cases, they both made their way, they both wended their way up to the court individually, but were ruled on simultaneously. Uh, the state, the, the, the point that was being made, uh, lower courts, by the way, had upheld affirmative action. In other words, lower courts had said that basically the schools had a right to consider race as a, as a factor in determining, basically, uh, admissions. Now, John Roberts, his entire judicial career has been opposed to affirmative action. This is not, this is not uh, you know, the Supreme Court people who were brought in by Trump lying during their confirmation hearings, saying that, no, 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 absolutely, uh, Roe v. Wade is stare decisis. It's something that we would never touch. This is, this is the way the court is ruled. No, 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 no. This is nothing like that. John Roberts has been against affirmative action forever. Now, there was a ruling back in 2003 that also enshrined, uh, well, it enshrined what had been begun back in the 1970s about affirmative action. But Roberts has made no secret of being against it. And, 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 he, has, and he has, unlike the, uh, unlike the uh, anti-abortion forces in the court, uh, not really, you know, it's been public. It's been, it's been part of his, his thought process. So it was very likely that if an affirmative action case could make it up to the court, Roberts, based on his record and his own pronouncements, would, well, I, I don't know, as much as any one justice uh, and a chief justice influences other justices, well, it wound up being 6-3. And U University of North Carolina and, and, and Harvard both basically were told, you may not make a direct basis of race for, it, it can't be a checkoff box, okay? So that when, when a student application comes into you, you can't simply look at, oh, black, oh, Latino, oh, okay, that puts you in this category of um, of consideration. Uh, your application gets moved into this pile, this preferential pile, because of that. Roberts went out of his way to say, in, his, in, the, uh, in the majority opinion, that a student could still talk about their race and their experience 
within society as a result of their race as part of their application. And that personal history could be taken into account. But the simple fact that someone is black or Latino or some other, other than white, some, some category that has otherwise been given affirmative preference, that as a checkoff box is no longer permissible. Well, at least it won't be permissible in the University of North Carolina or at Harvard. Presumably, this, the, the, this ruling will now spill over into other educational institutions and most likely spill outside of the educational field altogether. This may have an impact, most probably will, in small business loans, in, in preferential uh, hiring, uh, in, in, in any place in, in government, non-government, and I don't know what it's going to do in private industry. Well, the schools are private, so one can assume that this will have far-reaching impact far-reaching impact. And, and, and the problem that, I, that a lot of people, uh, you know, and, and, and saying, as I'm saying to you, okay, uh, you can no longer simply check a box saying someone is black or Latino, or, and, and that automatically is a preference. No, you have to talk about your personal experience. Well, that's not always what what works in terms of, well, if, if you accept the fact, if, okay, if you accept the fact, and you may not accept the fact, I, I accept the fact, that it's important to have a racial balance. Now, what's, what's that balance? What is the percentage of non-white Europeans that should be in a school? I, 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 get, I get the complaint that the Asians were making, uh, they are a unimaginably resourceful and educationally oriented as a group. I see throughout Flushing, where my, where my mother-in-law still lives in Queens, you, and it's largely, largely Chinese community, and you see nothing but these what they call honors academies all over the place doing after-school training for kids to get them into Ivy League schools, and they even mention Harvard specifically. The Asian population is so, so, the immigrant Asian population is so focused on education as a vehicle for moving forward and maintaining position in society uh, and, and for themselves and for generations to come. It is something that, <laughs> frankly, a lot of other groups uh, could take some, some, uh, some schooling from, quite literally. But it's also put them in a remarkably advantageous position as far as admissions to major uh, educational institutions. Does the need for racial balance, and here with East Asians, hey, there's a racial component there. You're wearing it on your face more often than not. That's basically what's the. But is the need to continue redressing 
wrongs that come from a history of slavery, of Jim Crow, of redlining, of economic lack of economic opportunity, of specific legislation facilitating or, or allowing uh, educational restri restriction on black Americans specifically. Does that need to redress that? Basically, is, is the word offset? Must should should that still be considered? Should there still be some effort to go? Need we recognize? Should we continue to recognize that there is? And I I see it. I know it. You know it. There is a fallout from the 350 years of American history, give or take where we began bringing slaves over and basically what has happened since then and where we are in terms of our racial uh, situation, how that plays out day by day in the country. And yes, in a highly polarized environment like we're in, the explanations of well, the observation of where we are, much less what we should be doing about it, is hugely skewed. So uh, how dare you do anything to help a black American student? How dare you give a black a preference in school when basically a more deserving white kid or Asian kid should be taking the slot that this kid would otherwise get into in a better institution of education. How, how dare you do that? Well, you dare do it if you recognize, and I would, I would argue rightfully so, that there remains an imbalance in this country and that there is a value to basically maintaining a certain minimum level of non-white and even non-Asian students in different institutions, and that institutions not only have the right to be able to make a determination like this, but a bloody obligation that there is a need to basically, basically feed a, a mixed group of people out into society. We all benefit from that. Well, why can't blacks simply do this the way Asians do it or, or some white people do it? Definitely just some white people, that's for sure. Well, it, it, there are any number of factors. Well, they, if they haven't done it by now and we've had affirmative action since 1978, give or take, and there was, a, someone, there was some under Nixon even, it was starting then, and, and it's been... Well, if they haven't, if affirmative action hasn't done what it was supposed to do by now, what the hell, it can't be all that good. So why are we still bothering with it? Well, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I think... I think it has done a great deal of good. I think it's a process. Roberts, in his opinion, said, you know, there, there, is, there is no end in sight as to when this should end. The implication being that in any kind of an affirmative action process, there has to be, for it to be, for it to be even reasonable in Roberts' mind, there has to be a terminus, a point at which, okay, we want to put in affirmative action, but it should always, always be, but only until, and here's the end point.
and, and of course, the, the, the argument, the overarching argument that Roberts has used forever is this is basically affirmative action flies in the face of equal protection under laws. Equal protection of whom? Well, equal protection of whites, and I suppose, if you're going to take Harvard and, and UNC, uh, of East Asians. Uh, but if you take away affirmative action as a basis, if you take away race as a considerable option, uh, as a considerable factor, something that you could really focus on, that you literally can check a box off for. Aren't you, in essence, checking off the box, a box for white kids? Isn't, isn't that really what's going on? So that if black kids will only be able to get in on the basis of accelerated or equally high test scores, if that's the only way in, and we know that black kids across the country, there is a disproportionately large number of kids who are not getting the educations that they should, and you can start, and, and of course, that's the point at which your mind starts clicking in, depending on what your political orientation is. Well, it's because, you know, they don't study, don't care, they're, they're no good, they're just blah, 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 blah. Or maybe, on the other side, well, there is a, there is a systemic racism that basically still pervades our society. Now, of course, there are, there are examples of both. But there is a reality that there is a systemic racism. Roberts is saying, Roberts is implying that there can't possibly be enough systemic racism at this late stage in America's history in order to justify affirmative action as a affirmative vehicle for making sure that we're putting out a sufficiently broad base of racial mixture which will benefit our economy and our culture in a positive way and has been shown to do that. I think Clarence Thomas is the product of affirmative action, if I'm not mistaken. Not that he, although I think in many cases, you know, never had the brains for anything. He kind of got smiled through. I, well, that's another story. But, but you can't simply say that it's done it and then look at the country the way it is right now. Look at the anger. Look at the racism. Look at the, look at the white supremacy groups. Look at the lunacy within, within the Congress. Look at the willingness to basically uh, just slap down anyone who is not going to, 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 to give me my power. The, the, the blatant, the blatant ignorance being expressed by too many Republicans, the willingness to allow racism to pervade all over the place, the wink-wink of a Donald Trump towards militants of every kind, you can't simply look at that and then at the same time say, well, it's, affirmative action's been around way too long. It, 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 should have had, it should have had an expiration date. Well, I would, I would come back and say, I could see that if, if, if racism and, and stupidity and ignorance also had expiration dates. But they don't. We are proving that to ourselves by, by our behavior, certainly on the far right, and by many on the left too, but much, 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 much more so on the right, 
that the ignorance and stupidity do not have expiration dates. So to say that equal protection of laws, equal protection under the law is violated, this, this, this hallmark of the Constitution is violated by, by having affirmative action, suggests that somehow, somehow that there is no, no value, that, that, that equal protection doesn't include black people or affirmatively cannot include them because they should all be equal already. It, it, it infers that there is an achieved equality already, that everybody is starting from the same level, that the playing field has absolutely been driven down to an absolute, the bubble is sitting dead center on the leveling stick. Everybody is operating from the same equal position and that therefore we're not gonna give anybody a leg up. If we took the position that never is it appropriate to do anything, that as a matter of interpretation of the Equal Protection Clause, nothing can be done to benefit one, one group or another, well, we'd still be back in slavery, we'd still be back in whatever was passing for educational non-equality, we'd still have segregated restrooms and, and restaurants, we'd have all of that because we could never pass a law that would favor one group or another. We'd simply have to live with whatever the status quo was at that particular moment in time and make the assumption now that going out of our way to assist anybody will be affirmative, inappropriate, and therefore a violation of equal protection under the law. It is a, it is a bastardization, I would argue, Robert's position of what it means to have equal protection under the law is somewhat bastardized. I, I get how he gets there. It is back to a literal statement of the Constitution, but it does not take into account the normative, the, the, the specific realities of how we are living in America and what is happening in American society still. Joe Biden was asked by Nicole Wallace, are you tempted to basically enlarge the Supreme Court given, given the, the, the rather unusual behavior, and, and Biden went so far as to say, this court is not like any other that I've seen before. Uh, he, he was pretty, he was, not, he was not too circumspect in his review, that, and also I think his terminology was, this ain't your father's Republican Party. But he stopped well short of saying that the court should be stacked or packed. In other words, do, do, what, do what, uh, what Franklin Roosevelt ultimately threatened. It never, I don't know that it actually ever happened, but to bring it up to 11 or 13 justices, there's nothing in the Constitution that prevents that, and, using the, and then creating your own majority. The Roosevelt threatened that with the New Deal legislation when it was, being, when it was threatened to be blocked. And the New Deal worked out rather well for America. This is essentially what the, what the uh, 
uh, with the legislation, as this legislation, as we started the show on this, as this begins to work through, as the projects come through and the rebuilding coming, uh, the infrastructure rebuilding projects as they come through, you'll be hearing more about this. There'll be changes in the perspective of who and what Joe Biden is, and he'll be running from, from the back of the pack for a while maybe and all that. But this will all begin to change. Biden believes he's an optimist. He is a perpetual optimist that, that will come through this. We can make this happen. The entire infrastructure rebuilding program is a study in what you can still do in the most divided Congress in history. Massive, massive achievement in a divided Congress. I would tend to believe in Joe Biden is much as the media and everything we're being fed in social media and conversation and, and the word on the street would say, no, we're, we're absolutely divided. We can. I have to believe, I have to give Joe a little, a little more belief and, and believe that he can make things happen that others perhaps can't. And I'll take him at his word that uh, this will work, that there's no need to completely re revise the institution of the ju judiciary. It will make this work. Trust me, I believe, is what Joe would say at this point. And I think, for purposes of center-left radio on this Friday, the 30th of June, I'm going to trust him. And I'll celebrate that trust with, uh, well, David, by the way, David Bach is coming on just in a few moments after this break, but I'm going to celebrate my trust of Joe Biden with a little jazz.
This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can on a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, $5, $10, $1,000, whatever you can contribute to make Center Left Radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident and as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Center Left Radio, thank you. You're listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz, and you're listening to us on the web at www.centerlefttalkradio. One word centerlefttalkradio.com. Yes, it's Friday. Yes, it's the 30th of June. Yes, you know all that. And therefore, you may conclude, or you may infer, or you may imply, whatever, whatever you do, just be, be focused on and prepared for the following. David, what's on your mind? Well, there's a good amount of stuff. So if you want to hear more, you can follow me on Twitter or at Face Ideas. No. Um, so... Apparently, they're talking about more counts of uh, against Donald Trump, which, all right, let's just see what it is before we, like, flip out about it. Um, obviously, there's going to be more. There's, like, two more cases coming down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we'll see. Um, I do want to talk about uh, uh, wood grills very quickly, or gas stoves. Sure. Um, there's There was a New York Post article that said that... Um, they're looking to, in New York, uh, clamp down on certain uh, gas stoves or wood fire grills, kind of, um, in order for uh, climate issues to make them more um, effective at uh, dealing with with uh, emissions. Obviously, the right freaked out and said they're coming for your pizzas like they're coming for your gas stoves. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, if you read the New York Post article, one of the people they cite said, look, my neighbor used to complain all the time because my smoke would go into their apartment. And when I got this, he didn't complain anymore. 
It's like, yeah, that's kind of the point. It's not changing your, you know, it's not about taking away your ability to eat pizza. It's about, you know, making things slightly better for other people. Yeah. Because that's the point of all this. Yeah. And a reminder that this big bad gas stoves, um, death squads that are coming to get you could didn't get stopped by the Republicans because they couldn't crash the economy. Yeah. 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 I, the, the notion that a wood fired oven, uh, should be a protected entity. That's nice. Uh, but uh, if, if the studies say that this basically is causing emissions and the emissions are measurable and reasonable. Well, I, I don't think it's so crazy that you should have to uh, have some kind of controls over that. And I think that, that the pace at which this stuff will be implemented would have a lot to do with uh, the acceptability of it. But you can't say, well, you know, it doesn't exist. We'll ignore it. Uh, we'll have the we'll pe- we'll have the we'll have the the wood fired pizza stove exception clause. No, y- you can't. I I don't see that. I don't know. Oh, also, if you're going to advocate for this, especially for small businesses, because in all likelihood this is an extra expense that they weren't expecting, throw a grant down. Say, yeah. Okay. Because this is the thing that they keep they don't talk about when they're talking about the gas stove thing. There is money in the IRA for people who want to replace their stoves with electric ones. Yeah. Yeah, I've so, heard that. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you if it's no cost to you, what the fuck do you care? <laughs> um that's that yeah. Yeah. No that that's 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 where it's at. Um I I I I get Again, I get the notion of making something out of it. I also understand that if you're going to implement it, you're going to have to have a reasonable uh, rolling in and, and, and you're going to have to have a, a rational implementation. Thing. We're not going to go ripping people's stoves out of walls tomorrow morning. That's not going to happen. But, but yeah. there has to be an understanding that this is a favorable thing to do and that here are the incentives you have uh, to do it, uh, a new stove might not be a bad idea. Now, again, if there's electricity issues and that you can't, you, you have to get the wiring in, and that means in some older buildings, especially, uh, to get a 220 line in, it's a double, and by the way, it's a double 220 line for most modern uh, electric stoves right now. That could be an issue. That'll all get worked out. That'll get worked out. Meanwhile, the New York Post has fun with it. Yeah, and, you know, Dealing with all that is is a government factor, which yeah, yeah, yeah. the only thing the Republicans are trying to do because let's remember they came in with uh, with great um, promises. We're going to get rid of inflation. We're going to seal the border. We're going to stop crime. Right. Well, congratulations. All right. those things have happened. Uh, I don't know which bill that requires you to read the Pledge of Allegiance on the the, the floor or say communism is bad or. Um, have you noticed I, how often Trump uses communists now to identify Democrats? There must well, have been some polling somewhere. I, I, it's wild. It's wild. I'm hearing this well, more and more. There is polling. It's Ron DeSantis. He's ah, effectively, ah. he just keeps saying leftists and woke, and either those things are working for him, so try something different. Also, communism and socialism are good scare words because you can just literally just throw them out, and Americans go, ooh, 
yeah, yeah. It, it's it's sort of it's sort of a it's it's a yeah it's just sort of a visceral reaction. But communism, jeez, I don't know, man. <laughs> I mean, well, are people it, still dumb enough to imagine that that's a? Oh, I guess they are. Yes, because Rick Scott has recently said that if you're a communist or a socialist and you come to Florida, they're going to fight you. Oh. Well, that's very. Um, that's also. Then, I'll, I'll keep. This, I'll keep that in mind if I happen to see Rick Scott standing on the any on the other side of anything. You know. Well, the other thing Rick Scott did, without a sense of irony, <laughs> is complain is complain about stolen PPE loans. Ah. You know, Rick Scott, overseer of the largest Medicare fraud in the history of the country, that's and the that's person right. who, <laughs> yeah. who allegedly. Misused, stole a whole bunch of uh, Senate um, funds for their re-election campaigns. That yeah. Scott. Well, I, I, irony, irony is not, or recognition of irony has never been known as a Republican characteristic. Uh, unfortunately, they would do well to to get a sense of it, but what are you going to do? Uh, um, what else I is do going on, talk David? About- the the two Supreme Court cases, two of the important Supreme Court cases, yeah. and then maybe we'll, if we have time, we'll get to the tape. Um, so there's the affirmative action one that came down yesterday. Obviously, the Republican line is, oh, well, now racism is gone because you can't help flatten the playing field for black people because colorblindness. Because they only know two Martin Luther King quotes. Right. Um, it's the I have a dream and I believe in colorblindness. Even though there's a third one that he says literally... In it, in order to get equality, sometimes another group needs a leg up. Now, the other thing about um, affirmative action is it's not, oh, this kid got a 4.0, but he didn't let in because this minority kid got a 1.3, and we have to let him in. That's not what it is. Um, it's 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 weighing qualified applicants, yeah, and giving them better equality. Like it's anyway, it's. Just nonsense um, that they they got rid of it because of course they got rid of it. Well, we're, we're Rob, Roberts, really. Robert, you know John Roberts, not to his credit, but just to, just just to just to emphasize his consistency, he has been anti-affirmative action forever and has made no secret of this, and and let it be known that if a case ever got to him where he could decide it, and if he had a majority, he would absolutely deal with it. Now, he ended up by saying in that decision, by the way, and I'm not sure what the impact of this will be, even though you can't check a box saying black, Hispanic, and expect to go into a different pile of applications as a result of that, an individual could talk about race from personal experience, and that would be permissible within the application process and could be taken into account. I have no idea how that will play out in a, in a practical world. And I also know that most of the educational institutions, and in, well, certainly UNC and, and, and Harvard, have been anticipating exactly what Roberts came down with uh, for quite some time now. It was anticipated it would work out this way. So I, I don't know where this leaves us in terms of the actual... Uh, implications of it. I know that they're not going to have the the first the first date for this where this would be applicable would be 2028, which I find rather interesting. Well, we'll see how that affects. And also, it's not so it'll be effective in in your um, 
you can still write about it in your essays. And then um, it's not, you can still use affirmative action for military academies. Yeah, I mean, um, this is this is this is this is going to have spillover effects in ways that I, I who knows. Well, also the other argument is okay, get rid of legacy admissions as well. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Or or like, and, like, and and another great argument is if if you take away black and Hispanic affirmative action, aren't you actually then codifying white affirmative action? <laughs> isn't it one way or the other unless you consciously attempt to balance these things because of the nature of our history it's but yeah. so the other one is the uh, Moore versus Harper now yeah. Moore versus Harper lost but it is worth mentioning that three justices that a third of the court decided yeah you don't actually get to decide your own elections yeah and I think it's not this should not be viewed as the moderates won. It's there were three justices who do not believe in democracy on the court. Yeah, yeah. I, I, how that was not a nine nothing decision, I have no idea. I have no idea. I read, I read part of what was called the Thomas dissent. Thomas hasn't ever written a dissent in his life. He doesn't know what it, he doesn't know what I don't know. I don't think he knows where he is. All he knows is where he's going on vacation. But basically, his dissent said, "Well, it was already. This has been decided by the legislature." of the individual state. What is, where is there for us to intervene? And except not taking into account that there was a prior intervention by the legislature, which screwed it up in the first place. I mean, but just, just unbelievable. Um, I mean, callous, a callous, obvious disregard for the obvious, obvious equities of making sure that, uh, that, that, that case was decided the way it should have been. It should have been nine zero. Yeah. And we're going to get, Probably the um, the student loan uh, rulings today. Yeah, it'll come down to today, and then we'll also get the uh, the fake gay uh, gay people are discriminating against me case as well. Right. Um, and I say that because it's literally a fake case. The person in it is arguing if in the future at some point I maybe make a uh, uh, a web uh, a, a website design company and a gay person asked me to make it um a website for them i should be allowed to discriminate against that person this is the old wedding cake argument again that that you know except it's dumber because the yeah. guy who did the wedding cake actually owned a bakery yeah 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 uh i i it it, it seems like a contrived case are you hearing it? i have really not heard much about the the student loan forgiveness program have you heard any rumblings about that i haven't heard where people are claiming or imagining it's going to come down i you know i certainly hope they don't they don't mess with it but let's see where well, they're it going. going to say again they're going to they're going to reject the, the the ability for the government to do this. Have you, you've heard you've heard this through through. Is that pretty much the uh, the the common wisdom, the accepted wisdom these yeah. days that it's going to be knocked down? Yeah, yeah, I guess if you wait till the last second, you want to run out of town just after you've released that, which really sucks, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, it's you know, if, I mean, there's other ways the Biden administration can do this, so. Um, choose it this way wasn't great um but yeah oh speaking of running out of town um i want to talk very quickly about uh the ongoing um anti-trans stochastic terrorism argument yeah uh, which yeah, is the yeah, only yeah. way they have to win this yeah um this actually ties into something from the news yesterday 
so for the record, there was like there's like a thousand anti-trans bills. Um, so far, every state ban on it has lost in court, all six of them, um, because the shit is unconstitutional. So it's worth remembering while they're they're going after trans people. Really, the only the only real recourse they have is to cast terrorists. And yeah. unfortunately, our stupid doesn't stay in this country because in Canada, there was just a guy who ran into a, a um, college course, asked what it was, and then started stabbing people because it was gender studies. Yeah. Uh, because they, this is an outpour. A reminder, there's 1.5 million trans people in the country. I think there's about 50 trans athletes in the, in the country. Mm. Like, this is such a minority of people. They're not coming for your children. They're not trying to, you know, they're not pedophiles. They're not groomers. Although, you know, statistically speaking, there's probably at least one of them um, who are just because they, they exist in every population. But they're not, you know, right-wingers who weekly get arrested for it. Um, so there's, the, like, just it's their scapegoating them because fucking with the trans people and the gays is not going to make your life better. It's just going to make you hate easier. That's all. Um, yeah. And the other thing is there was just a January 6th guy arrested outside of Obama's home with potentially uh bomb making materials. Yeah. Like, I heard, I heard about that yesterday. Yeah. Wow. Which, you know, the candidate after Donald Trump, uh, truthed out his, his address, which I'm pretty sure it's public knowledge anyway, just cause it is. Um, but like, could you imagine if this was outside of Donald, of, outside of Mar-a-Lagos? They would be screaming bloody murder. Yeah, um, yeah. Good point. You know, Very good point. It, it's worth, you know, thinking about these other things. Um, and then speaking of Donald Trump, that tape is just, like, it is amazing how every time he does a crime, he is caught on tape. Literally every time. And he's basically in it, like, admitting to all the charges. Yeah. And yes, whether or not the the underlying Iran document in the is not part of the charges doesn't make the tape not admissible, and it certainly doesn't make what Donald Trump did not illegal. He's and, it, it, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. He he's he's a for, he's a lawyer's nightmare. But he, he I, I gather his rationale seems to rationale to say rationale and Donald Trump in the same sentence is, you know, just just just, you know, reflexively oxymoronic. He basically has figured out that the worst that he's accused of, the worst things he's accused of and admits to that gets a yeah and a, and a yelp and a, and, a, and, a, and a rebel charge cry out of his people yeah look what you did there too because they don't care about law they don't care about actual function within the presidency they don't care about doing anything about preserving uh, democracy or systems donald's importance to them is that he is the permission slip for their grievances and you take him out of the equation and, and, and suddenly that grievance goes away, and the grievance supersedes everything. It supersedes law, it supersedes any function of government, certainly supersedes anything that anyone who was president of the United States would be expected to do in a rational and legal way. Donald has figured that out, and he's got these people who are willing to go and, 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 and be stupid for him, just ignore everything. But, you know, that's where they're at. It's just 
we'll see. Like, I don't know how he keeps like the idea. So this is the idea that was Charlie Kirk uh, was pushing that because the underlying, which is like it's everything he said was 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 a fucking lie. His argument was that the Iran document was the underlying reason for the search. Therefore, because it is not it, it is not in the indictment, this whole thing was was just a sham to spear him, and that the releasing the tapes is election interference. Uh, well, there, there which there, is yeah, that's a which is crap. such yeah, a yeah. a level of wrong <laughs> that it, it's like impressive that he said something so stupid. First, on a, on, a, on a purely factual basis. There are so many other counts in that indictment that would that would supersede uh, everything in the Iran, and the indictment could be modified by counsel to basically make the information coming in right now absolutely water watertight. It doesn't even have to be. I don't want to get into the legal aspects of this, but I could see an argument very easily that would simply make what's going on and what and all these recordings you're hearing are simply proof of intent rather than document specific. There's a whole bunch of ways that lawyers could handle this. I have absolutely no doubt that Jack Smith and his group will have this well in hand and will not be derailed by some half-baked argument that, well, you know, even though we did everything completely illegally, uh, you just didn't say it right. You know, you weren't standing on one foot and rubbing your head and, 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 and tapping your stomach as you said it. Therefore, we get off scot-free. No, it ain't going to go that way. It's, it, it'll, we'll see. It's the question of whether they can get if they bring in extra indictments, whether that will push the uh, trial. I, 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 I have total. I, I got to tell you, David, I have total faith in in Jack Smith. There's no way, no way that this all that they've gone this route and allowed this information out. And, and oh, we missed. Oh, we missed the fact that it could also sink our entire case. No, 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 no. A little more faith in that, please. <laughs> Oh, ye of little faith. <laughs> yeah. What else you got for us? I mean, that's really it. Oh, I, 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 how, how much more on, on any given week, on any given yeah. Friday, as it were? David, where else can people hear you when they want to hear your stuff? Uh, Twitter at Faces Ideas. No. Okay, they sh- and they should listen in. Uh, you, this the, what you get here on Center Left Radio. Obviously, is a is a relatively small sample of David uh, on his own. And I've listened in. Uh, he's got some great stuff going. Uh, not that what he's doing here with us isn't so great, also. But listen in to David when you have the opportunity. Keep listening to Center Left Radio. Don't extrapolate into the future. Don't assume what the presidential election is going to be like based on exactly what you see today. Understand that we are in an entropic world where things change, where change is the basis for everything that happens, and that we are 17 months away from an election. That's why we do these shows. That's why we discuss these things. That's why they play the games. And, and, and that's why after an interview with David, I, I love to be able to say, a little jazz, please.
listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. With knocking out affirmative action, at least in UNC and Harvard, the court has gone once again and destroyed 50-year-old principles, doing something that is anathema to the very nature of the court, overthrowing decisions simply based upon current preference. That may be great for their Republican donors, the money that's flowing into Thomas and Alito, not so great from the point of view of the country.